Hey, good morning, everybody. Did you want to introduce me? <laughs> or did you want me to introduce myself? <laughs> I'm teasing you. Hey, I am so excited to be with you this morning. And, um, you know, I was thinking last night as we were talking about heaven and being with the Lord and just that moment where we realize It's all because of Jesus that we're going. And I was thinking back about when that moment was for me. And I was a little girl. And you know where I was? I was in Awanas. Does anybody know where, what that is? <laughs> I, was, I met Jesus memorizing the word of God. Is that wild? And you know what's so cool is I still remember all of those verses that I memorized when I was a kid. They're still in here and they're still in here. And so I was thinking this morning and asking the Lord, what do you have for these women? And um, I started thinking, what if this idea that we're talking about of heaven and setting our minds and our hearts on heaven is not just a weekend theme? What if it's something that we take home with us, that we treasure in here? And the way that I know how to do that is by memorizing it up here. And so I wondered if you would memorize Colossians 3 with me. Would you be open to that? I know some of you are going to be like, I don't memorize stuff. I'm not good at that. I thought I'd give you a little inspiration. Kayla, can you show them my son here, my little five-year-old guy? It's pretty cute, right? I love that uh, he got a little assist from his little sister, who's two at the time. She's giving him a little hint. And then after I finished recording August, my oldest, she said, my turn, mommy. And I was like, you know it? Let's take a look. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Clara can do it, you can do it. What do you think? <laughs> so, no pressure. So, here's how I taught it to my kids. 
I taught them the hand motions, right? Like think back to Awana, how you learn stuff as a kid. So we're going to learn the hand motions, okay? Are you guys open to it? Here's how I taught them. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. (laughs) Okay, maybe we need to take a step back. No, I'm kidding. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Can we do it one more time all together? Okay. Follow along next to your neighbor. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I think you're going to get it. All right. Can I pray? All right. Lord, how beautiful is it? to hear your words of truth, to treasure them in our hearts and in our minds, and then to watch as they reappear in our lives over and over and over again. Your word is our life, Lord. You are our life. We love you, Lord. Would you show us how to set our hearts, and our minds on you this morning in order that we might take hold of the things of heaven. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I heard this story about uh, a little boy who uh, went to a diner with his family after church every Sunday, the same diner. And every week he would ask his parents, can I get ice cream after lunch? And his parents would say, no, you can't get ice cream this week. Can I get ice cream, Mom and Dad? They finally said, how about this? You save up your money, your allowance, and we will let you walk down the street on your own to the diner, and you can get yourself ice cream with your own money. And he had his mind set on it. He was like, I'm going to get that ice cream. So he worked around the house. He did chores for his mom and dad and his neighbors. He saved up all his quarters, and his parents said, I think you have enough for the ice cream. So he marched down that street. He had all his quarters in his pocket, and he opened the door, and he climbed up onto that stool at the counter. And the waitress came over, and she said, hey, darling, what are you having today? He said, I'm having ice cream. (laughs) And she said, sounds good. What are you going to get? And he said, well, I have two favorites. I have mint chocolate chip and I have chocolate fudge brownie, and I can't decide what to get. How much is it for two scoops? And she said, well, one scoop is $3, but really it's a deal. Two scoops is only $4. 
And so he looked down into his hand, and he counted out his quarters. And he looked at her, and he said, I think I'll just have mint chip today. And she said, okay, coming right up. And so she brought his mint chip over, and he paid her. And he sat there, and he enjoyed every single bite of his ice cream. She came over, and she said, how was it? And he said, it was delicious. Thank you so much. She said, you're so welcome. He says, here's your tip. And he reached out his hand, and he dropped into her hand four shiny quarters. And you guys, I think that is how it plays out when we set our hearts and our minds on the things above. I think that's how it looks played out in real life when we set our hearts and our minds on the things above. He could have had two scoops. But more important to him than getting two scoops of ice cream was being kind and generous to this waitress. What? Let me tell you, that takes forethought. Have you ever met a kid who's going to turn down mint chocolate chip or chocolate fudge brownie in favor of generosity? This is a real story. I just, I can't even wrap my mind around that. That little boy set his mind on being a kind and a generous person. Is that cool? And that's the invitation that we have in Colossians chapter 3. To set our hearts, to set our minds on the things above. One more time, I'm going to read it. Since then... You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The foundational principle to this text, to this passage, that we have to understand, and if we don't get this, none of it makes any sense is what Megan talked about last night. It's our lives being hidden with Christ in God. It's us being raised up with Christ to the heavenly places. And because that has happened, because we belong to him, now we're invited to set our hearts and our minds on the place that he is, right? On the place that we're going. Does that make sense? He's there. Our life is hidden with him. So of course we set our minds and our hearts on the things of heaven. Let me ask you this. Did anybody have like a physical reaction to the story about the ice cream? Like it felt like your heart swelled a little bit or you just got like a little watery in your eyes. Maybe just me. I'm a little hormonal. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why that happens. Because we were made to be with him. We were made to be with him. And heaven is where he is. And when we get a taste of the things of heaven of the things of God, our hearts respond to it because we long for what we've been created for. We long with our physical body, with our heart, with our mind for what we've been created for. But resonating with the things above is not all we're asked to do, right? We're also called in Colossians chapter 3, to set our hearts and our minds on the things above. Why our hearts and our minds? Well, our heart is what controls our actions and how we live and our behavior. Because all of that comes from what we really believe in here, 
right? And our mind controls our heart. Let me show you a little picture. I'm not an artist, obviously. <laughs> but I just, if you're a visual learner, I just want you to see it, okay? Our mind directs our heart, and our heart directs our life. It tells us that out of the heart, we make our plans. That's what scripture says, right? I should have another little arrow that says our life and points back up to the mind, because what actually happens is when we fix our mind on the things above, on the things of God, on the truth, then it's a part of our mind, and we're thinking about it, and it changes our heart. And our heart leads to our actions and our behavior and how we live. And then we start thinking about the things of God and think the things above, above. And it's a cycle. Do you know what I mean? It perpetuates. So how do we do it? How do we set our hearts and our minds on the things of heaven? We seek them. We pursue them. We chase after them. We dig into them. We seek to understand them. We taste them, and when we taste them, we savor them, and we treasure them. And what is them? What are the things of God? What are the things of above? It's everything good. It's everything eternal. It's everything of God. It's everything that Christ thought about and taught about and loved and cared for. It's all of those things. It says we actually have the mind of Christ. Did you know that? Are we thinking like him? Is our mind full of the things that he was thinking about and caring about and loving because those are the things of above. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> this will help us think through it. If you got a text message for every thought that you had today, I mean, just think about it like this. So, I mean, every thought, okay? Lord, protect my kids at school. Bing! You get a text message. What is she wearing? Bing! get a text message. I'm starving. Bing! I mean, everything. You get a text message for every thought that you have over the course of the day. And you sat down tonight, and you started scrolling through the messages of your thoughts. What would you see? Would you say that your mind is a place that the Lord is reigning and ruling? Is that evident from your thoughts? Or does it feel like it's a chaotic mess up there? Are you trusting and aligned with God's way and his truth beyond your actions all the way to your heart and your mind? The Lord does not allow me to teach on anything that I'm not learning myself, on anything that he's not showing me. So I've been studying Colossians 3 all summer with my family, as you saw, I, the baby didn't make the slideshow. He hasn't memorized it yet. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but I've been studying this all summer long. Because I don't want to just be a woman whose life is aligned with Scripture and who looks like a Christian. I don't. I've been asking myself, do the thoughts and, of my mind and the desires of my heart, do they align with the truth of God? Beyond my actions, what do I see in there? Is it filled with anxiety and fear and judgment or hatred or jealousy or discontent? Like, what is up there? Or is it a place the Lord reigns and rules? And I've, 
I'm so convicted. I want to be the kind of woman that literally could project my thoughts, my text messages on the screen and say, look, you guys, look how much I love him. It's so evident by my thoughts, not just by my words and by my actions. You can see it in my heart. You can see it in my mind. And so what am I doing? I'm taking every single thought captive, like scripture tells us to do. Do you know the verse? 2 Corinthians 2, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Whoa. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And I'm taking my thought and I'm holding it up against Philippians 4 and I'm going, is this thought true? Is this thought admirable? How do I make this thought obedient to Christ? And here's the thing. Have you ever tried just not doing something? <laughs> How well does that work, right? Stop doing that. Stop thinking that. Don't say that. It doesn't even work with kids, right? Stop, stop, stop. Let me tell you what works a lot better is when you replace a thought with something better something true. You know what I mean? So I'm not just telling my mind, I'm going to stop thinking about that. I'm replacing it with truth. So how does this play out? How am I actually doing it? I'm just telling you what I'm doing, okay? I am sitting in scripture and I'm meditating on the word of God and I'm going, I'm going to just soak in this because Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And guess what else it does? It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yeah. And isn't that what we're after? In Colossians chapter 3, set your minds on the things above. Set your hearts on the things above. And the word of God in Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, hey, did you know that the word of God actually judges and discerns the thoughts and intentions of your heart? You want to know what's not aligned with scripture? Sit in the word and it will reveal it to you. You'll be able to see, hey, I'm looking down here when you made me to look up here. Here's what you need to become aware of. There's this relationship that I have, and um, it's been so hard, and I just feel so hurt in this relationship, and I'm just like, just mistreated, and it's such a bad feeling, and I'm like, why do I put up with this? And it gives me so much stress, and I'll be in the shower thinking about like, this is just so unfair. And as I was studying this this summer, I was so convicted. I'm like, are these thoughts, thoughts of above? How could I change my thinking? And I'm all wrapped up about this. Like, it's, it's making me frustrated and kind of feel kind of sick and feel kind of upset. Do you know what I mean? When you're thinking about something, it's just like it, it's getting to you. I go, how could I change my thoughts, Lord, about this situation? He just totally convicted me in the shower one day. How could I change my thoughts about that to actually be thinking about the things above? I go, oh, my gosh, what if I prayed for this person? What if I asked you, Lord, to sh what do you want me to know about them? How could I love them? Let me tell you what happened. I was flooded with peace about it. I kind of stopped thinking about that person in that situation. It wasn't making me so anxious anymore, right? Because I totally changed my thinking. Nobody gains the mindset of heaven passively. 
You have to sit in the word. You have to sit with the Lord. He does a transforming work in us. There's a mom at my son's school, and I really wanted to share the hope of Jesus with her. And um, so we've gotten to know each other. We've spent some time together, and um, we found out that we're both readers. And so she said, I have this idea. I'll read a book that you tell me to read, and you read a book that I tell you to read. And I'm like, perfect. I give her the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to lead to a good conversation. So anyway, I start reading the book that she wants me to read this summer. So I'm studying Colossians chapter 3, and I'm reading this weird sci-fi book that is kind of like Lord of the Rings-ish. It's actually kind of like Chronicles of Narnia, a little bit of like Beauty and the Beast because there's these characters that are like alive and they're, you know, like picture like the candles, Lumiere and Cogsworth. I'm, forgive me, I'm in the season of life where I have little kids and we watch Beauty and the Beast, but you know what I mean? They're like objects that are alive and have power and are moving around and talking and everything. So this is the book she gives me. And I'm reading this book and in it, all the books are alive, okay? The books are alive and they, they like, when they're opened up, they have this power and they can like enter into the world and kind of swirl around. And then when they're read, they can like make their way into people's minds and actually change what people are thinking. And they have these weird, crazy powers. So I'm studying Colossians 3. And, um, and I'm going, is the picture that I have of scripture too narrow-minded? Because... When I read about what scripture does, it honestly sounds a little bit more like my friend's kind of funny sci-fi book than just a book on a shelf, pages with words on them, you know? Like, am I thinking about what the word of God is actually capable of doing? Because what happens when people read the word of God is that their lives are transformed. I mean, people can open this book and start reading the Gospels and literally be walking in this direction and all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, I'm going to start walking this way. People can read the Word of God and strongholds are broken in their life. They read the Word of God and they're flooded with peace. They find joy they're clothed with the armor of God against a real enemy by the word of God and the power of God. And I go, what are we thinking? Do we need to change the way we're thinking about this book? What if we imagined that this book was trembling on our nightstand? What if, so change, just go with me for a second. I know it's kind of weird. But what if you imagine that this book was trembling, okay? And that the minute you opened it, light would just burst out of it. I want you to imagine it with me. Imagine that power starts swirling out of it as you read the words. And it enters your mind and it enters your heart and it starts doing something. Because that's what's really happening. And I, wanna, I wonder if we thought about the word of God differently, would we approach our time with it in a different way? I think we would. I really do. I think we'd approach it with reverence and awe. Just imagine. 
I'm about to pick up that book and I know something's going to happen. It's just me and the Lord. I'm about to open it and I know he's going to change my heart and he's going to change my mind through it. I'm about to have this moment with him that's holy. Can you imagine if we thought about being with him in that way? how our hearts would change. How do we normalize that? How do we normalize that being our practice? I was on the phone with a friend of mine. She had left me a voicemail. She said, oh, I have a story to tell you. Call me back. And I called her back. I'm like, what's the story? And she's like, oh, I'm having time with the Lord. I can't wait to tell you. Can I call you right back? I'm like, sure. I hang up the phone and I'm like, she just said she was having time with the Lord and she'd call me right back, just like we would say if we were like having lunch with our mom, you know, or our friend, like, hey, I'm sitting here having lunch with Megan. I got to go. Can I call you back? Right? That's what we would do. That's what everybody would do. You don't sit and have a whole conversation when you're in the middle of the time. Why don't we do that with the Lord? Hey, this is my time with him. I'm in the presence of God right now. I got to call you back. What if that was the norm? Every morning, my kids wake me up. It's like 5.52 on the dot every day. <clears throat> Mommy. It's like right in my face, like morning breath. <laughs> Mommy. I'm like, what? Can you play with me? <laughs> I'm like literally asleep. 5.52. I'm like, no. Go back to bed until 6. Six is the rule at our house, okay? Six o'clock on the dot, zero, zero seconds. Mommy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. So I get out of bed. I put my slippers on. We go into the kitchen. I hug my cute little daughter. She's always the first one to wake up. And I hug her. And she looks at me. She goes, Mommy. I'm like, yeah. Can you play with me? And like, who wouldn't want, you know, it's just like me and my girl. I got two boys. I love them all, but you know, it's me and my girl, <laughs> this special time. Oh, I really do love all my boys. I didn't mean it like that. You know what I mean. But like no tantrums yet, a good, after a good night of sleep, like I would love to just sit on the ground and just have a moment with just her, you know. But every morning I say the same thing. She asks me the same question, will you play with me first thing in the morning? And I say the same thing. I say, what does mommy have to do first? And she says, drink your coffee. <laughs> I say, yes, but what else? And she says, do your Bible study. I'm like, yes, honey, I have to do my Bible study. And I want to play with her. I love to get that time with my daughter, that special little moment. But I want her to have a picture, even more importantly than that, of what it looks like to prioritize him. And sitting with him every day and opening his word and being in his presence. I need this. I want her to have that picture. Because day after day it seeps in and it changes us. Romans 12 says what? Romans 12 too, do you know it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed. How? You guys know it already by the renewing of your mind. Another version, I'm going to read this because it's so good. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I am, com I am completely transformed into a new person by my thinking because my thoughts change my heart and my heart changes my life, right? Okay, my oldest son loves to collect little treasures, okay? So we're at the park like this. These little pieces of trash, of junk, right? It's what makes your house so gross when you have little kids. All these little things are everywhere. And he finds these things at the park. He finds these, thing, these things left on the ground in the parking lot, like little pieces of a toy. My son is so funny. For his fifth birthday, he asked for a metal detector. I'm like, this is getting out of hand. And I just want you guys to picture, we're all at the beach for like a nice beach day, laying out, and my son's around with his headphones on going, finding trash at the beach. I'm like, don't touch that. That's gross. That's like a rusty old can or whatever. But he finds these little things, and if he decides that they're worth keeping, he takes them home, he puts them in these little boxes that he has. I can't wait to see how this plays out as an adult. And he calls them his specials. That's what he calls them. He names them his specials. And my son goes everywhere with his specials, everywhere. He always has one in his hand or in his pocket or in his shirt pocket. If you know my kid, you'll probably, if you, well, you probably don't, you guys do. He always wears a, a shirt with a pocket only so he can put more specials in it. And he's always got his specials. But the problem is... When we go to the park, and I'm like, show me the monkey bars. I heard you've been practicing. How's he going to grab onto the monkey bars if he's got his specials in his hand? You don't even know they're there, but he can't grab on. Or we go to the beach, and I'm like, let's go scoot. He can't grab that scooter with specials in his hands, right? How's he going to do that? Or I'm like, let's go for ice cream. How's he going to hold that ice cream cone with specials in his hand? And you guys, I think this is what we do sometimes. We've got these specials in our hands, these things of earth that are, we're, we just have our hands so tightly grasped around. The last part of this passage that we can't ignore, it says we've been raised with Christ. We're to set our hearts on the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, we're to set our minds on the things above, not on the earthly things. Here's what we are supposed to do, and here's what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to set our hearts on the earthly things. And we could have our hands grasped so tightly around these things, our kids, our health, our jobs, our appearance. I don't know what it is for you. For me, um, I wanted to end with a, a story. You may have heard me share this if you've been to Hume before, but um, before my oldest son was born, we lost our first baby. And, um, and then we got pregnant with my son, August, the one that you saw in the video. And we got pregnant with August, and my pregnancy was a nightmare. I'll tell you why. I was wrapped in fear, in anxiety. I thought I was going to lose that baby every single day. I thought that I could control keeping him healthy, which we all know that's a lie, right? But I was clinging to this false sense of control. 
if I hold on tight enough, and I remember being in that season, that pregnancy, where I literally wrestled with God. It was like, Lord, here I am. I cannot let go of this child in my womb. Here I am. I don't know what to do. I can't let go. I cannot surrender it to you. I think I thought if I surrendered, that means he's going to take the baby, which is that really of God? Is that his character? Is that who he is? That was a lie that I was believing. And so I thought in my mind, if I let go, I don't know. He's going to be gone. I cannot release him to you. And I carried that with me throughout my entire pregnancy with my son. And he was born, and I held him in my arms, and I took a deep breath for what felt like the first time in like 10 months. And then a couple weeks into his life, he started vomiting bile. And I'm like, something's wrong. So we took him to the hospital, found out he was born with his intestines all twisted up. And they're like, he's going to have to go in for major surgery. And here's the packet, the waiver, this thick of papers that you're going to have to sign away as we wheel your little brand new baby off into the operating room. We have no idea what's going to happen. This is exploratory surgery. He could end up like this. 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 And as they kept reading the list, talking through that paperwork, I just felt heavier and heavier and heavier. And I went, okay, fine. I can't do it anymore. I can't hold on. I can't hold on. I have to let go. I was so desperate. This is way too big for me to hold on to control. And I dropped to my knees in the hospital and I said, Lord, he is yours. He is yours, Lord. Whatever the outcome of this situation, you are with me. I'm going to start reciting truth in my mind. You are faithful. You will never leave me nor forsake me. You are good. You are love. You will never leave my side. And I started to trust, and I let go, and I opened my hands, and I surrendered. And let me tell you, I... Starting my parenting journey off with that experience has changed the way I do parenting. I can't cling to my kids tightly anymore. And let me tell you what else. When we hold on to our stuff so tight, we can't enjoy the things that God wants to invite us into. When our hands are clasped so tightly around the things of earth, how are we going to take hold of the things of heaven? Lord, empty our hands. What the weirdest part about all this is why does it always happen when we're, in, when we're in the most desperate place, you know? Not by choice, but when my hands are empty and I'm desperate, I'm like, Lord, I need you. That's when I start tasting the things of heaven, the presence of God, his love and his grace and his kindness and his goodness in the most tangible ways. Do you know what I'm talking about? In your most desperate place when he felt so near to you? Can you think of those moments? Why is that? I think it's because we start letting go of the things of earth and we start clinging to the things of heaven. That's why we experience that feeling. And so every single quiet time this year, I've been praying Psalm 5. And Psalm 5 says this, at each and every sunrise, 
I will prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I will come to you and lay the broken pieces of my life upon your altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. That's why I pray in my quiet time every day this year. Here's the pieces of my broken life. Here are all of my specials, Lord. This and this, and maybe it's just today. Here's the specials for today. I wish I had my journal because I literally draw out like little things and put them in little bubbles. These are my pieces. This is all my junk. Here it is, Lord, and this is what I say. It's yours. Or, if I'm being honest, here are all my pieces. I want it to be yours. I don't know how. I can't let go of it. I don't know what, how, what that looks like right now, but I want it to be yours. I want it to be yours, Lord, because I want to have a mind and a heart and hands full of heaven. I want to have a mind and a heart and hands full of heaven. And so I want to release all these other things to you. How do we set our hearts and our minds on the things above? We sit in the presence of God. We sit in his word. We allow his presence and his word to flow in and through us and make aware of all the ways that we are looking down, of all the things of earth that we're grabbing onto. And we invite him to show us how to look up, how to take hold of the things of heaven. So I want to invite you, as we close here, to join me. And I just wonder if you might hold your hands in fists like this on your lap. Would you, would you close your eyes, holding your fists, and would you just ask the Lord right now, just take a minute, and ask the Lord, what are those things for you? What are my specials, Lord? What do I want so much on this earth that it's keeping me from the things of heaven? Show me, Lord. I'm going to pray, and as you're ready, if you're ready, just start to open your hands as a symbol of opening those things to the Lord in order that you might grasp the things above. Lord, we know that you want to free us to be the kind of women that order a single scoop so that we can give a big, generous tip, Lord. But there are things in our hearts that hold us back from the things of above, things that we long for and desire. And some of them, a lot of them are good still. But how can we be open-handed with them? How can we trust you with them? Lord, you see our hearts and you know what they are. 
the good ones and the bad ones, all the good things and the bad things, and you love us still with more pure, passionate, sacrificial, unconditional love that we've, than we've ever encountered in our lives and that we could ever imagine. Even knowing all the things we grab onto, Lord, you love us with that kind of love. Would you show us how to trust you because you love us? Invite us to you, Lord, and to your word where we might be transformed. Lord, give us a longing for your word, for an encounter with you through it, that our desires would shift and we would begin to open our eyes and our hands just a little more and more until they're stretched out wide open and ready to grasp the things above. Show us how to do that. Lord, show us how to do that every single day. This is not a one-time thing. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to love you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. You tell us that to set our minds on the spirit is life and peace. So Lord, transform us by the renewing of our minds that we might discern your good and perfect and pleasing will, Lord. I pray that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, Lord. And I pray against also just the things of our mind right now. I pray that you would break strongholds now in this moment, Lord, where there are lies existing in our minds, things that we are believing and that are holding us back that are not true and they're not consistent with the things above, the things of you, God. They're not true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, but they're just also just thoughts of the enemy, lies of the enemy, Lord. Show us what they are and remove the scales from our eyes, Lord. Replace those empty places where you remove those lies with what is true. Lord, show us how to take what we have learned and received and heard and seen in you and practice those things that the peace of God would be with us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.